What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Richard Justice, our guest from MLB.com, Major League Baseball Advanced Media, uh, he is on. He was already on one radio show this morning. He's going to be on TV. He is all over the place. Richard, are you there? Come in. Uh, breaker, breaker. This is your sky high, sky king. <laughs> are you in the ju- Are you in the Justice Chopper right now? Yeah, I'm in. Jer- I got Jerry's Chopper. Jerry's Chopper. There you go. The the uh, the pork chopper. All right, now, Richard, first of all, before we get to the Rangers, I just want to ask you, what happened to your Texas Longhorns at Cal? Uh, well, I was going to say, when you don't have the quarterback situation fixed, you don't have anything fixed, but it looks like the defense is a problem. And now, Dan Austin, they're all calling for the defensive coordinator's head. Will that, will that, will that fix it, Kevin? You know what, I, I, I don't I think what needs to happen here is that Charlie needs to kind of step in there and say, hey, let me help you out here a little bit, pal. And, you yeah. know, you can hear more about this on the college edition of Ballsy <laughs> with Chuck Carlton. <laughs> Richard, Richard, I'm, I'm freaking out. I, I think the Rangers pitching staff, the starters, the bullpen is, is in dire need of help. Talk me off the ledge. Uh, Richard, uh, Richard, let me talk. Do. Let me talk over you for a second, because that's what we do here at Ballsy. <laughs> um, let me just explain here that uh, Barry likes to drive the traffic, and so no matter what like rapport we may have, he'll immediately veer <laughs> off of that. To it's the Rangers <laughs> podcast. We're we're talking lo- Texas. We're not even talking Texas University of Texas baseball. We're talking University of Texas football. Let's talk baseball. Well. Uh, Cole Hamels has to get his fastball command back, and I got a lot of work to do. What it was, all those guys have two starts. The, the Rangers rotation is 28 in ERA this month. The Astros are 27, and the only two teams worse than the Rangers right now are the Diamondbacks and Braves. So, but you know, we always say October is the reset. So, I think I think in terms of expectations and pressure and focusing on mechanics. I think sometimes just the pressure of the postseason fixes a lot of those things, especially for a veteran guy like Cole Hamels. Yeah, but, me, you know, Hamels and Darvish and Lewis have got to get straightened out over the next two weeks. All right, so here's the flip side of that, Richard. All right, you just mentioned that the, the postseason does turn the light on, especially for some of these veteran guys. Hamels has been inconsistent in September. Darvish is coming off of a bad start, but is fresh still, Has still has a fresh arm. Yeah. Lewis has made all of two starts, and we'll have a total of about four going into the playoffs. Would you rather be the Rangers right now, or would you rather be the Cleveland Indians and be without two starters and know you'll be without two starters in the postseason? Oh, I, no question. I, I'd rather be the Rangers. You know, and you look at Boston, you go, okay, they got Price, who's 
been pretty good lately, and they got Porcello. I'm not sure who they have after that. And then, you know, I, the only team that you look at and go, hey, they might be better than the Rangers, that would be Seattle. Seattle's getting such consistent starting pitching. Oh, shut that, up uh, with the Mariners thing. Get over that. Wow, Evan. Can you believe Evan well, had that attitude about that? But but your, your, your question is, who would you rather be? <laughs> And I think I think you're right. I don't know that there's anybody I'd rather be. Uh, I, I think Boston is the best team in the American League right now. But if you're just talking about rotation, having a fresh Darvish, a fresh Colby, that's pretty good. Uh, let me throw a stat at you. And again, because Barry is Barry panics. What Barry does is he run around. He runs yes. around and goes, "I'm panicking! I'm panicking!" He he yells I, at him. Why, much- why do you use the same voice for me as you do your mother? I think we have Very the answer to that. The Rangers are 61-27 and 27 when they get six innings out of a starter. That's the second best uh, win percentage in the American League when they get six innings out of a starter. This team, when it can deploy the bullpen the way it wants to, is, right. is, is still as good a bet to win games as any team in the American League. Yeah, well, that's, there's a correlation. I mean, the, the Red Sox have the best. Uh, bullpen in September by miles, but their bullpen has also pitched a fewer innings, so right. it all goes hand to hand. But I do think October is different in that after the fifth inning, sometimes if you're John Gibbons or somebody you don't trust your ro- some of your guys in your rotation, you get into the fourth or fifth inning, then you're playing batter by batter down the stretch. I think it's different in that way, and so I think like if you get five good innings, six good innings, you'll get enough rest during a postseason series. You're in a good place. So I think there's I think there's a possibility too that if you're the Rangers, you look for six innings out of Darvish and Hamels, you look for five out of Lewis, and then the question is, do you go to a three man rotation or do you try and stick with a four man rotation? No, you definitely stick with a four man rotation because Cole Hamels is getting the workload is getting up there, and then it comes down to, like what I see of Martin Perez. I think the guy has a chance to be a big time starter. But what everybody around the Rangers says is you don't trust him in the postseason because when he gets into trouble, we're not sure how strong mentally he is. And so what? What then what are your options after that? You know, A.J. Griffin, somebody like that. But, hey, look, if, if, if the issue is who your number four starter is in the postseason, you got no problems. Right. Not great problems, no. Now, did you get to see Colby pitch his most recent start? No, Colby pitched in, in Anaheim on Sunday. Right. I can't uh, stay up that wake. Oh, come on now. It was an afternoon game, but that's okay. No, but I, I, I don't think it matters. I trust him. Don't you guys trust him? I, I, you know, I thought he looked really good, and then, boy, when he just hit that wall, he really hit it. Yeah, but I, I, that wall came at – he had thrown no more than 68 pitches right. in the minor leagues on that rehab, which was an accelerated rehab in the first place. And I thought in Anaheim – and I think I tweeted this at the time – five innings – Get five innings out of him and then turn it over to the bullpen. You know, the first time out, if that's what you get, that's great. And I think the first batter of the sixth inning, he gave up another home run. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're trying, they're, the Rangers are trying to do this little juggling act here I, as I paddle my hands up and down. But, I like that look. Um, they're trying to lengthen him out at, and at the same time win games. And so it's a very delicate you, balancing act. Richard, are you, you okay? You tweet, did you say you tweeted that? I did. Can you believe oh, okay. he would be tweeting anything during I the game? Kinda, I kind of lost track of your tweets after you tried to pick a fight with Donald John Trump. Well, I, thank you for coming to Donald Trump's defense on that. 
No, I'm not coming to his defense. I just think I think no, I believe that would you. be the coolest. That would be the coolest thing in the world if Donald Trump attacked you. <laughs> that would make my all the rest of us would have to retire. We can never we can never work again in the business. There's the man that Donald Trump attacked. <laughs> wow, that would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I, I wish I could do a Donald yeah. Trump invitation right now. I pick yeah. a fight with everybody, though. No, no, I wouldn't say that. You know, Kevin, I'm going to tell you something. Richard took me to lunch in Houston this week. Where did he take you? Two things. Two things. We're going to get off baseball for one second. Kenny and Ziggy's? No, he did not take me to Kenny and Ziggy's. I ate there Saturday. Did you really? Yeah. It's a good place. It was empty. And he didn't take me to Good Company. Oh. Um, he He took me to Liberty Kitchen in the Heights. Which is uh, very Tony for Richard and I, you know, because we are those kinds of people. And I had, he had, he, it was a great lunch. It was maybe the most memorable mac and cheese I've ever had. Wow. And, and, what, and what about the dessert? We, we had a lovely dessert. We ordered a cake. Dave, uh, not a whole cake, just a piece of cake, a brownie sundae. And uh, Dave Raymond, the Rangers sometimes broadcaster, who Barry regularly rips on this show, yeah, uh, we had him with us. Dave went up and went to the bathroom. And while he was in the restroom, Richard and I ate the entire cake. And he comes around the corner, sees the empty dish, and goes, you bleep, bleep, bleep. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's an exciting week. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you guys make him chip in to pay for the cake? No, I paid for the cake. I paid for the cake. Because that's the kind of guy I am. You are that kind of guy. All right, so Richard, you are high on the Seattle Mariners because you are high on something right now. So tell me why. Well, I just think the pitching is well. They, they uh, the, the bullpen is stabilized with the kid at the end, and he seems to have gotten his mojo back. Taiwan Walker's become what he was supposed to be all along, and I think your big guys have been big guys. Uh, Leonis Martin's been pretty good, but Cano, Cruz, Seager—they've all been pretty good. You know, they they dug themselves a hole, and you don't like when you you can't look at a ten, twelve, fifteen game stretch and really make your mind up about anything. Boston's been good for a month now but i do like today i like them but that's the way the whole season's been like you look at the american league east and one week you like one team another week you like another team so you know they're playing meaningful games in september that's all you can ask for but now they you know they have they have a little bit tougher stretch coming in are they going to make the postseason i look at all those probabilities no it says the three al to east teams are going to make the postseason I disagree with the three AL East teams, and, and here's why. I, I think that the three AL East teams, that division is still in significant competition. Both wild court spots are still in significant competition. And the top three teams in that division play each other time after time over the final two weeks of the season. And Toronto, are you, again, are you okay down there? I'm fine. Okay. Toronto this week opens a series at Seattle. I think that the second wild card team is going to come from the American League West, and 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 I think it's either going to be it, it clearly it's either going to be the Astros or the Mariners, but I think that very well could come down to that series that they play in Houston to start the last week of the season against one another. Well, that would be great. I mean, I lo- I love the chaos of it. That you know, three teams playing for two spots, five teams playing for two spots. That makes it fun. You know, it, it, base, the one thing baseball's got going for it the last five years is. Things are up in the air until right at the end, and, and it, it the pressure and knowing that every uh, a season's riding on every pitch that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it, it is, and, and I also think if you're the Rangers, you're sitting here and you're you've still got a game and a half lead on Cleveland for the uh, for home field advantage, and the possibility exists that you're going to have more than two teams tied for that wild card spot. 
and you're going to have to have a play-in game for the wild card spot. Boy, you sure would love to play a team that has to play on on Monday and then it has to play on Tuesday and has to travel on Wednesday and and, and start playing them in a five-game series on Thursday with one, their one and two out. But I would think if I'm the Rangers, I just want to get those three guys straightened out by the end of the by the beginning of postseason, and then you take your chances. But if if those guys, if they feel confident about those three starters, who who should go into the postseason feeling better about their club than the Texas Rangers? Well, can I ask Evan? Can I ask a question? What about the bullpen? I like that when you said that. What about? I, no, I, you got it. No, I'm asking Richard. Uh, Evan, shh, shh. we just addressed this. Okay. He wasn't listening. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think. I think I think you're okay. You can't you can't tax them. You can't get you know for a, two months of the season they were getting three innings out of their starting pitcher. You can't do that to your bullpen. Right. It has a residual effect. So so uh, their eighth inning guys good. Their ninth inning guys good. And then if you got to use them in the sixth and the seventh, you just go batter to batter. Whose lineup do you like better, Boston's or Texas lineup? Who's uh, no, I, I like Boston's lineup better than anybody. I think they're yeah, they're good. They're they're really great and they're really terrific. But I I will say it is a remarkable to me that in this season, in which the Rangers have pretty much led most of the season, uh, that they have it seems like uh, who's remade their lineup more than the than the Rangers have for of the contenders. Uh, well, nobody. I mean, you pick up a catcher, a center fielder. Uh, you get rookies that make contributions. This is not, I mean, Ian Desmond joined the team. This is not the team they thought they were going to have in January. To me, that reflects the fact that the general manager is great and that he's built a deep organization and that ownership lets him do, lets him do things to, to, you know. Like Ian Desmond, like when he, they sign him, you go, I don't get this. What he looked at it was, this is an inventory, addition to our inventory. Yeah. Carlos Gomez was an addition. And it's funny how you always end up needing those guys. It's not just and 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 you're, and you're right about the GM, but to me it's the manager too because look and, and or at least the staff, uh, the manager and his staff, because look what they've done with Carlos Gomez. This was a guy that that that, that the uh, the Astros they're putting Jake Marisnik out there, you know, and and he's a he's a nice, you know, fifth outfielder, but they're running that guy out there and he's hitting what two fifteen with four home runs for the year. But they're, they're basing right. so much on a defensive metric there with Marisnik. Yeah, and it, yeah, and I would say, and also they have no choice. They don't feel like any of their kids can play center field. But I was thinking about that the other day. Okay, now, how good would Ian Desmond look in an Astros uniform right now? But no, they were convinced that Carlos Gomez would solve their problems in center field. And it comes down to, like, player evaluation. And I'm telling you, there's great consternation. That Jonathan Lucroy is wearing a Texas Rangers uniform, and that Matt Moore is wearing a San Francisco Giants uniform. There, I mean, there was there was um, I, it, Jeff Luno will be second guessed for a long time. You know, if this, if they don't make the playoffs for the way it's worked out. Yeah, I, you go back to that. Look, let's go back to that for a second. Are you saying that the the Astros made a play for Lucroy at the deadline? Yes. Uh, well. And I think um, they knew the price was going to be high. They went just like the Rangers did. They went through Chris Sale. Uh, help me out here. Who are the other guys? Uh, Quintana. Yeah. And uh, uh, and, and uh, Sonny Gray. And then all the all the uh, Chris Tampa Archer. Guys. Yeah. The the whole well, progression like of pitchers. About, well, you know what? The, I think what the Cardinals and Rangers have in common is there's an organizational discipline in that. I mean, when John Daniels didn't get a starting pitcher, I thought, man, that is screwed up. 
But this is what Pat Gellick used to do for 50 years. Like, I was uncomfortable with the prices here, so I improved my team here, here, and here, and now let's go play and find out. I, I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, I just want to go back through the Rangers lineup, what their regular lineup is right now. Their regular lineup is Gomez in left field, who was not with the team on at the start of spring training. Desmond in center field, not with the team at the start of spring training. Beltron is the DH, not with the team at the start of spring training. Beltre, Odor, Lucroy, not with the team at the start of spring training. Moreland, Mazzara, who was in the minor leagues at the start of the season, and Andrus. So if you take five of the nine spots there, and they were not in this team's open at the start of spring training in this team's plans uh, at, at that point that, in time, that's remarkable. That, yeah, and that's a tribute to uh, the general manager being aggressive and being able to assess where he is as a team. And also having a deep organization. Like, you had Profar, you had Mazzara. You know, like, I, Mazzara on the first day of spring training, they thought, oh, a guy has to have another year of AAA. But when you have good players, I mean, it, it pays off. And, and I think they're positioned well going forward. Although, you know, and I think inside that clubhouse, and I think inside the front office, I think they think they've got a great shot to win the World Series. I think they do, too. I think anybody's going to be uh, facing something of an uphill battle against the Cubs, or the question still will be, and you addressed this a little bit on, on uh, XM this morning, you know, do the Cubs recapture it going into the into the postseason after they, they clearly are going to take some time off here to, to just enjoy it? I guess Ben Zobrist rode his uniform, rode his bicycle, to Wrigley yesterday wearing his game day uniform. So they're clearly having a lot of fun right now. Um, I, I, I think the one thing that stands out for me about what the Rangers did this year is, look, they gave up a lot for the guys that they got. Um, and and a lot of pitching, and they haven't developed a whole lot of pitching, and that's a concern. But the Rangers did get Beltron, Lucroy. They hopefully have Jonathan Jeremy Jeffers for the future, you hope. Uh, they significantly improved their team. They added Carlos Gomez, and they did not give up Mazzara, Profar, or Gallo. So they did not give up any of their top three prospects uh, to do that. So they've still got inventory going forward for next year. Let me ask you boys this question. Who's going to be the Rangers' starting center fielder on opening day in 2017? That's a great question. Uh, Maybe it's someone that we haven't even thought about yet. No, I don't think so. You I think, think it's going to be Ian Desmond? You think they'll bring well, him back? I think it'd be Desmond or it might be Gomez. I think it might be Gomez. I, I, I think that so, I think Gomez will be cheaper. Gomez will be cheaper. I think there's a very strong possibility, depending on particularly what happens with Chu. But now Fielder is not coming back. We, we clearly know this. I think you could look at a, at a situation where you have uh, Carlos. You, you might consider bringing Carlos Beltran back as a DH and have an outfield that goes – uh, Mazzara in left, Gomez in center, uh, and Chew in right. Put Beltron at DH and have Gomez. Gomez, the Gomez Beltron dynamic and the Gomez Beltre dynamic is a great dynamic. And I think Richard, I think you can address this a little bit too. Carlos Gomez was miscast as the veteran acquisition who was going to lead this team to the playoffs. I think he's much better in a role as just a contributor rather than having to be the guy. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, and I think Adrian Beltre just creates a, an environment. I think Andrews is part of this. Where it, 
easy for guys to feel comfortable. And he got off to a good start. Fans in Arlington didn't know who he was. They didn't start booing him. He's a real, I don't know if you guys have gotten to know him, very sensitive guy to the booing. And it may see him uh, try too hard, and he gets all crazy at the plate with the stuff he does. And uh, when he reaches a comfort level, I'm telling you, the guy's going to be 31 on opening day next year. I don't know if I'd sign him for five years, but he's got a chance to be – I mean, he's got a chance to still be a real productive player. And also, let me say, and I know nobody cares about this, he is one of the nicest people I, I have ever been around in baseball. Like, you root openly for that guy because uh, they, they, they just started getting on his butt down here uh, for, you know, I don't know. I guess there's people that think booing is uh, what you do now. What, what could, could make it all go south for him in Arlington? Uh, in Ar- I don't think in Arlington it could all go south. Well, if he gets too much money, it puts a focus on him. But I think as long as you look at that club, and when you think of the Texas Rangers, who is it now? It's Hamels, it's Beltre, it's Andrews. He's a guy. He's not the guy. He's a guy. And in, in Milwaukee, he was the guy. But people people thought of the guy was Braun and before that fielder and all. So you could just you're allowed, some guys are just allowed to go play. But, and and that's probably good for him. But uh, and that's also a different environment in Milwaukee too than it is in Houston or here. But, but I, I'm telling you, they 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 um, the guy is a. I was in the Brewers clubhouse a year and a, two years ago, and a guy calls me. One of the players calls me over and says, uh, points at Ryan Braun. And says, I know you think he's our best player, and he points at Gomez. He goes, that's our best player. And if you watched him play every night, you'd be blown away at how good he is. I think when you see, when you see him at his best, not many. You know, he's a, he's an upper echelon player. He, here's the thing that um, that people get wrapped up in, and, and I hate this narrative. You know, the other day, uh, um, wasn't yesterday. It was a, I, I guess it was Friday that Gomez slid into second base to break up a double play. It was an unnecessarily hard slide. Was called out. Cost the Rangers a run in that situation. Just playing hard. Uh, everybody looks at him and says, because there's this narrative out there that he does stupid things on the field, that oh my God, this is you know this is Carlos Be- Gomez doing stupid stuff. It was a mistake. Of, it's like Jeff Banister said. It was a mistake of aggression. He was trying to do everything he could to ensure the run scored. And I think when you've got a manager that is going to back him up that way and and is going to continue to encourage being aggressive on the field. Uh, but also has the ability to kind of restrain his approach at the plate a little bit. I, I think you've got a real good fit. And, and I, I don't think Richard can make this point strong enough. The, the, the clubhouse right now with guys like Beltre, Beltron, Hamels, uh, I, I think to some extent the way that Elvis has, has, has blossomed as, uh, as a more grown-up version of Elvis, uh, I, I think it's a – it's a really good, it's a really good dynamic inside that clubhouse to bring out the best in people. And I'd also don't want to overlook Ian Desmond on that either. I, I think yeah, that, and uh, I think uh, running the bases is part of what they do. They get a lot of guys thrown out on the bases, but I think they like that. They like that. Like you're sending a message to the other club. You're going to have to make a play. You better hustle and all, and we'll see what you got. I mean, that's part of who the Rangers are. I do think, too, uh, you know, and, and obviously you're just thinking about this year, basically, you know, 90% of it. But I think part of the reason to bring Gomez in was his insurance to see, you know, there's 
there's no there's no center fielder coming up uh, for next year. Well, especially after they traded Brinson and Cordell. Absolutely. So so now uh, if Ian Desmond goes, we got to find out if this guy can play. And if, if now if Gomez has been here, he's shown he can play. I don't know. I don't like him as much as as Desmond. Uh, and I know Desmond has struggled lately, but I I like Desmond a lot for a lot of reasons. Uh, and uh, if Gomez is your is your backup plan here? I don't have a problem with that if he continues to play well. Have you guys written off the Shields? Uh, I think I think the Rangers have written off the Shields. I think he's I mean, a nice I, fourth outfielder. I think the Rangers' actions have showed that no matter what, they there's somebody else they'd prefer to have in that fourth outfielder role than 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 Delino. He's just um, too much of a of a deficit with his arm. Uh, he, he just he just kills you. And and I don't think the Rangers feel like he he gets great routes on balls. No. Um, uh, that is that is an issue. He made a uh, on the road trip to Cincinnati. He made a diving catch in the outfield that looked great, but the efficiency rating on the on the route was under ninety percent according to to Statcast, which I, I just think is a great tool. And you know if you're under ninety percent, that's basically a very poor route on, yeah. on that so you know it, it's it's not whether or not you make a diving catch it's should it have been a diving catch in the first place sometimes right. richard what are you tinkering with there richard Me? yeah it sounds like you're yes. working on a model airplane or something oh no i'm not doing anything i'm just sitting here yeah there you go okay um so so richard uh if, if you're looking at this uh since we're talking a little bit about the future here and you just mentioned seattle you know the, to me the thing that's uh, interesting is that for all we keep talking about odor and, and how great he's playing and he's 22 years old and he's hit 30 home runs and those are all tremendous things too but how many home runs is, is robinson cano hitting out this year is he up to he well Ro- robinson cano has hit uh 33 but he he remember he's a He's a big time guy making a big time salary. Oh yeah, absolutely. But what my my point is is that is, as you noted earlier, they got some pretty good players there, and it, and if they could just get that pitching staff uh, worked out and the things that you're talking about now, to me, this is what we saw. Uh, you know, people were seeing from from Seattle, or at least they were projecting for Seattle all along. So going into next season, if they continue to do these things, uh, do you do you see the the Rangers running through the season like they have this year, or do you think that uh, it'll be a little bit stiff? Stiffer competition next year. Well, let's get through this season first. I mean, if the Rangers end up with a trophy, uh, let's let's see what happens this season. You know, going forward, I, I can never tell who's got the best farm system, who's got that. You know, the Astros were set up to be the dominant team for the next ten years, and they have been they've been just just a hair above mediocre for most of this year. I think the problem for me with the Astros was last year, and I and I predicted last year. I like to pat myself on the back for this, that the Astros, even after that fast start, would wear out in the heat of the season. And I mean heat, not literally the heat, but just the fact that the when you have all those young guys, it's just difficult for them to sustain that over the course of a season. And the fact that they did not bring in enough veteran leadership on that team, to me, that's the difference between the Rangers and the Astros. Well, the difference to me is that their two best starting pitchers are on the disabled list, Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers. You put those two guys out there pitching at a high level, everything looks different. So now that we've reached... Well, Dallas Keuchel was not well, pitching at well, a high we, level we, before Now that we've hurt. reached the pat on the back segment of the show, Evan, anything you want to pat yourself on the back wow, for? Wow, that was a shot. Well, I want to pat... You, you do this every week. Who does? You. 
I, I remember writing this. And oh and, my and gosh, are you, are you taking a shot at me now? In, in 1983, well, I if wrote you would this. write something, maybe you is, could take. I do want to Evan pat yourself on the back. No, 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 I do want to. I, this is the Richard. This is the portion where we all talk over one another that you enjoy so much. Um, I, I do want to explain, Barry. This is the way the pat on the back system works. Step one: you write something. Okay, so that you first you have to work on that. Then, if you get that part right, then you comes the pat on the back. So, handle step one, like Kevin does, and then you know. Then we'll move on to step two. Okay. Well, you want to pat yourself on the back now? I believe in your no. evaluation that your uh, your boss said that you had the fewest contributions to the section. That's not what he said. In the history of sports, I, I hope you, I hope you're more accurate when you when you quote people you talk to or deal you're dealing with. That's not what he said. And let's leave it at that. That's what he meant, Richard, though. That's what he meant. Richard, okay. who did you enjoy being with more today? Todd Hollinsworth and Steve Phillips, or us? Oh, definitely you guys. You guys are like family. Yeah, but you don't like your family. We, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. We you, we are your family. Are you kidding us? Holy cow. Yeah, I, especially since my family's all, uh, well, uh, there's a lot of jail space in Ellis County. I, I, I just want to say, when Richard was a member of the uh, Sports Day staff for about a week, back two, two, weeks. two weeks, I embraced him. I that was the well, problem. You embraced him and, and I, he left. I, I didn't get to work with Evan, though, while I was there, and it kind of soured me on that whole experience. Cause no, Evan and I are, when you shop for shoes together with a guy, it, you bond. Wow. <laughs> well, was, we, it, was it a trip to Nordstrom? You share a cake uh, together. We, we've shopped at many places together, and we've broken bread, and Richard is. I don't see you two together. Richard's more metrosexual than you are. <laughs> Evan, you, yeah. you, 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 no, no, I drive a Toyota. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You this drive is really degenerated. You drive a Honda Pilot. You told me that the other day because I followed it straight from Liberty Kitchen to Minute Maid Park. Yes. All right, we are going to let you go. This has been twenty-nine minutes with you. Can you believe you were on the radio for, on the podcast with us that long, Richard? It's been a joy. I'll tell you that. It, it seemed it only seemed like two hours, right? All right, fellas, move <laughs> along. He's got he's got more broadcast obligations today come out and see us richard thanks thanks this this was a rare treat we thought it was just gonna be evan <laughs> all right bye-bye bye all right so what we got out of that is basically the first of all you have to write something yeah yeah there you go then you pat yourself on the back I, i've noticed over, over the preceding weeks him rolling his eyes occasionally when i start to say something uh, and, and he loves to do that. And usually, because he's anticipating a question. No, I think starts, that's just a seizure. Yeah, that's, that could be. That could be. Um, Barry, are you? have we settled your concern? I, I got this from, from Ranger fans all weekend long, too, about, oh, what are we going to do about the rotation? What are we going to do about the rotation? Was that your mom talking? What are you? What do you expect to do? Uh, you Camels know, and Darvish are the best you got, man. I'll, and I'll, they're the best they've ever had. Going into the postseason, but they ha they ha haven't performed lately. Agree? They, they haven't performed. Okay, it, they haven't been consistent over their so, last so, five are starts. You, so, are you saying they can turn the switch on? I am saying that for that you look as as Richard talked about. You look at any American League club, and you look at their top two pitchers. And I'd still want Cole Hamels and you Darvish starting my first two games and the majority of my games in the postseason 
uh, regardless of who I am. I have less concern about Hamels than I do Darvish because of the track record of, of Hamels. Oh, I'm not concerned about Darvish at all. Well, but, 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 my, but here's the deal. If they'd been pitching really well right now, I wouldn't think any different did you about hear, this postseason. Did, did you read Hughes' quotes after the start on Saturday night? Did you see his quotes? I'm thinking I did. Um, he, We talked about this, and, and he had said after throwing it – first of all, I, before we get off out of this podcast – Derek Holland was not good on Wednesday night. Okay, right. I, I don't think the Rangers did him a service by starting him on Wednesday after not having him throw a bullpen and then telling him after the game Tuesday night that you're going to start. I'd like to say real quick, I yes. think that's, that tells you what the manager thinks about Derek Holland. I agree with that. I also think that you know they want him to throw more change-ups and not having thrown a bullpen, they, I don't think they could have in, reinforced that as much as they would have liked to, though they've tried to get him to throw more change-ups, and he hadn't. So that said, what Darvish did was he got an extra bullpen session. He threw a bullpen session on Wednesday. said it was the best session he's had in his life. Um, and there was no loss in translation because we spoke that in English. Best in his life. And I said, why? He said, I felt really good with the slider. He felt like he got great extension on pitches. And, and he, had, he and, 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 and Brokale had been working on the slightest of mechanical tweaks to allow him to continue to get more extension after Tommy John. So on Saturday, he said that in the bullpen, he started with this tweak in the mechanics, didn't feel exactly right, thought, I better make sure I've got my old mechanics, Right. went into the game, and he said after the game, I think I confused myself with my mechanics. And, and, and my point in all this is that, A, I think he gets that, that, that's a mechanical thing that I think he gets ironed out as quickly as anybody in baseball. Secondly, this is also a perfectionist, and... He is going to try and solve answers, try and find answers and solve things as diligently as anybody in baseball. These two guys at the top of my rotation will not, if I'm the Rangers, I feel like they will not leave anything left unresearched, undiscovered, in trying to fix things, and they've got the ability more than most players. And, and uh, Rich, Richard seemed to like the closer, Dyson, and we should feel good about Dyson as well. Well, for- while you were playing words with friends, we did talk about that when the Rangers get six innings out of their starters, they're 61-27, and 27, and it's the second-best win percentage in the American League in those, in those kind of games. And if you've got Hamels and Darvish starting the first two games of the postseason— you feel like you're going to get six innings out of both of them. I think we, we make too much of, of where guys are in September. Uh, I do think. You, I, I, I think whether if they were playing, if they were pitching great, I wouldn't say, oh, that means, oh, look, they're going to just roll through the, the, the postseason. The here. numbers in September for the rotation have been ugly. Okay. Right. On Saturday, as of Saturday, their rotation ERA was 6.69 in, in September. I bring this up because la- I, I went back and looked at the exact same date on the schedule last year. From September 1 through September 17, a team that I researched had a 6.09 ERA for their starters in September, finished the month with a 5.40, rolled into the playoffs with all kinds of questions about their starting rotation. And how did that work? How the playoffs work out? They won the World Series. That was the Kansas City Royals. Okay. Um, so you thought he was going to say the Rangers, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. So uh, He fooled you. Uh, Misdirection. Yeah, and I think I think also look you'd love if your team was rolling going into, into October, but I also think that over the course of the season, even the best starters are going to go through stretches right. where they have something that doesn't feel right or doesn't doesn't feel perfect in their delivery. It's going to take two or three starts to fully iron that out. 
much rather have a guy go through that in September with the luxury of a lead and try and get it back into sync for October. Because I think as soon as you make that adjustment, you're going to go from from rough patches to really sharp patches. You, what you want more than anything to me is, is just for the guys to feel fresh. Yeah. Uh, or as fresh as possible. And that's uh, – Hamels will go in right at about 200 innings, which is kind of a, a – a lower end workload for him. He's been pretty much above 210, 215. Darvish will go in with about 100 innings pitch this season. Very fresh arm. Colby Lewis will go in with less with less than 100 innings pitch. Very fresh arm. They're going to go in with three guys with fresh arms. Yeah, I'm not guaranteeing it anything. I just I just think that uh, that if they were pitching great right now, if they're pitching poorly. Those two guys, I I don't think as much about. I think when you when you I think you do when you flip on the lights. I think it it, it is. I think uh, you go. I think you just go back to the to the story at the start of the year, which is we feel like we we are the Rangers. We feel like we've got Cole Hamels and New Darvish for the postseason would be the best one two we'd ever have, and that's what they've got. Okay, yeah. I, I I didn't realize I was on with the Sunshine Boys today. Wow! But but, but, th- but thanks, thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.